Welcome to the Marriage Steps Podcast, where developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. The Marriage Steps Podcast is listener-supported. So to help keep it on the air so couples worldwide can receive hope for the marriage, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. Also, be sure to call my new number, 720-307-7347, and leave a message for me with your marriage question, and then I'll respond to it on the next Marriage Steps podcast. A quick announcement is I have a section on my website designated for marriage tools. Have you noticed you may not have all the tools you need to have a good marriage? We all need tools for all sorts of things, to maintain things, to fix things. We need tools for marriage. So I've developed a lot of tools on my website under the heading Marriage Tools. My website is drwhitefisher.com. Each tool is for something different. One of the tools is how to handle conflict. Another tool is how to build love. Another tool is how to have great sex. Each tool is $14.99. And if you purchase it, you'll get us a link just for you to watch, you and your partner, and you can watch me demonstrating the tool, talking about the tool over and over until you master it. So if you feel like you need some tools, be sure to check out my website, drwhitefisher.com, to start putting tools in your toolbox. The marriage joke of the day is my wife asked me for a chapstick, but accidentally I gave her a glue stick, and she still isn't talking to me. You may need to think about that one because the glue stick glued her lips together. That's why she's not talking to me. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start with some questions that some listeners have typed into me. They sent them to me. So a few Q&A questions with the shrink. Number one, my husband has no sexual interest in me. What should I do? That's one of the worst feelings is to not feel sexually desired in your marriage. It's a horrible feeling. It makes you start second-guessing everything. Maybe I'm not attractive. Maybe I'm overweight. Maybe I'm underweight. Maybe I'm just not sexy enough. Maybe I just don't have what it takes. A lot of people go down that path of self-doubt when their partner isn't interested in them sexually, especially if it's the man not interested in the woman because usually it's the other way around. So when a woman is in a marriage and her husband is not interested in her sexually, it often can be even more devastating to, that, to the woman's self-esteem. So what do you do? How do you respond? So the way I would approach a situation like this is first of all, try to get to the root. What is the reason your husband is not interested in you sexually? Maybe he has low testosterone and it has nothing to do with you. He should probably go to the doctor and get a checkup to make sure his testosterone levels are adequate. Maybe he's going through a lot of stress in his life. Stress kills libido. So perhaps it has nothing to do with you and it's something with stress. Perhaps he's having poor lifestyle habits like poor eating habits. He's not exercising, not sleeping well. Those things also will kill libido. So perhaps those are going on. Perhaps there's other things happening. Perhaps he's looking at pornography and he's outsourcing to porn. Perhaps he's seeing someone else. Perhaps it is something about you and something that turns him off, something in the bedroom when you're sexual together. Perhaps it's a turnoff to him. 
Whatever the reasons are, the first step is get to the root because a lot of people make guesses and they make assumptions of why their partner is not interested in them sexually. And sometimes those assumptions are right, but a lot of times those assumptions are wrong. So try to talk with your partner openly without assuming the worst in him and try to get to the root of what possibly could be going on so you can approach it as a team. Number two, second question, is my father-in-law is constantly disrespectful to me. How should I respond? You know, this week on my Facebook page is all about in-laws. Every week on my Facebook page, I try to switch topics to keep it fresh and to hit all the different topics that a marriage can encounter. And this week is all about in-laws. And it's amazing how many people are responding saying, that's a big topic. Please say more about that. I do not get along with my in-laws. What should I do? Well, one resource, by the way, is on my website, I have a blog post called In-Laws. So if you haven't already read that blog post, be sure to go to my website. It's on drwyattfisher.com. Click on the marriage blog. And I believe it's the very first article on in-laws, how to handle difficult in-laws. The first thing I would recommend is if your parent is disrespectful to your partner, consider it disrespect to you. Because if they're disrespectful to your partner, your partner is a part of you. So it's disrespectful to you. And you are the one that should say something, not your partner. It's your biological parent. So you need to be the one that goes to your parent and talks to them about what's going on. What are they feeling? What's causing their rude behavior to your partner? And to tell them that you're not going to stand for that, that that is not okay, that it's an offense to you if you offend them. You're a unified front with your partner. You need to be a unified front with your partner. Therefore, you need to respond to disrespect from your parent as a unified front. The third question is, how can we open up communication in our marriage? There's lots of ways to open up communication, but one of the top ways I would recommend is to start doing the love bucket exercise once a week. That's a tool on my website. Be sure to check it out. That's one of the most important tools of all is the love bucket. It's so important that I'm developing an app around the love bucket exercise and hopefully it's going to be available by thanksgiving maybe earlier in the app stores and it's called keep the glow so what this tool is all about is once a week getting in the habit of giving and receiving feedback on how well you're filling up your partner's love bucket and to do that you first have to create your love bucket and the love bucket includes the top three fillers you need to feel loved and satisfied in your marriage, and the top three drainers your partner does that makes you feel negative towards them. That's your love bucket. You have a love bucket, and your partner has a love bucket. Once you both have created those love buckets, you need to switch your list so that you're looking at your partner's love bucket list every day, and they're looking at yours. And then once a week, you give and receive feedback on how well you've done filling up your partner's love bucket. It's one of the most powerful ways to open up lines of communication because it proactively talks about your needs, proactively talks about your frustrations, and it allows you to course correct before things get too off track because most of us don't want to talk about those things. We stuff it down and then we detach or we blow up and neither of those are constructive. So check out the love bucket tool on my website and again, 
Soon, there's going to be an app all about that because it's one of the most profound ways to open up communication and to fall back in love and stay in love. Okay, so we're ready for the four ways to manage uneven workload. This is the marriage message of the day. Four ways to manage uneven workload. So to define my terms, an uneven workload is when you feel like you are working harder than your partner. If you put it all together, making money, caring for the house, caring for the kids, everything. If you put it all together in your marriage, is the workload roughly even? Hopefully it is. But for a lot of couples, it's not even. It's uneven. And when uneven workload is the culture, resentment comes in because no one wants to feel taken advantage of. No one wants to feel like things aren't fair. And it's relatively common. In my practice, it comes up often where at least one partner feels like things aren't fair. Things aren't even. And there's resentment. So uneven workload is when you feel that way. When you feel like you are doing more overall than your partner. So the first step is an even workload is a valid need. Some people dismiss it and they think, ah, we're a couple. We shouldn't keep track. We shouldn't pay attention to who's doing more. It's a valid need. And research supports this. So the more couples feel, the more partners feel like things are even, the happier they are. And vice versa. The more partners feel like things are uneven, the more unhappy they are. This is a research-supported concept. Even workload. So do not dismiss it. Do not think it's frivolous. Do not think because you're a married couple it shouldn't matter. It does matter. And it matters a lot. It can break down marriages quickly. So that's number one, is recognizing even workload is a valid concept and a valid need. Number two, look at the facts. Some of you are in a marriage and your partner may be saying to you, doesn't feel like the workload is even. And if that's the case, look at the facts. Actually put a pencil to it. Add up all the hours that you work towards your, your life, your family, your marriage every day and how many hours your partner puts in. And again, that includes everything, maintaining the kids, the house, earning money, all of it, cooking, cleaning, everything. Tally it up, tally it up and see what the result is. You wanna see roughly you're both working about the same amount of time. Now, sometimes one of you may have a higher standard and you kinda go over and beyond. And instead of washing the bath, cleaning the bathroom once a week, you wanna do it three times a week. So if you have high standards, you can't hold that against your partner. But if you take away those high standards, just look at the basic hours of work that it would require to make life move forward, and you wanna look at the facts. Because a lot of couples never look at the facts, and they don't really put a pencil to it. But to put a pencil to it, after you take into account unrealistically high standards, perhaps, you wanna adjust for that, but you wanna put a pencil to it so you can see, are things relatively fair for us? Or am I working much more than you? Am I putting in much more hours to work overall than you are, or vice versa? You wanna look at the facts, because that will tell you if it's just your perception or if it's reality, that things feel fair or unfair. Number three is that some partners focus on fairness and some don't, and that's okay. Usually the partners who focus on fairness are the ones who are working more than their partner. 
because they notice it. They feel taken advantage of. They feel resentful. So obviously it's more on their mind. And most likely they were probably raised in a home where hard work was a core value. And this is me. So I was raised growing up from both of my biological parents to work a lot. And I've talked about this elsewhere. If I was with my mom, we'd be washing the cars and vacuuming in the house and cleaning the toilets. And there was always more to do, it felt like. And so I was working all the time. It felt like growing up. Same thing with my dad. When I would visit my dad, we worked a lot. We would be also cutting the grass and we would be washing the cars and staining the fences and washing down the boats. And it was always a lot of work. And so for me, having a hard, strong work ethic is part of who I am. I don't sit down very much. I'm constantly in motion, but I also can have high standards. So I have to take that into account. So for me in my marriage, I'm very mindful of if our workload is even, partly because I have a very strong work ethic myself and it's how I was raised. My wife, in contrast, was raised totally different than me. She was raised in Hawaii and most of her days she went to the beach and they would hang out, they would have a lot of fun, they would enjoy the waves, they'd have a barbecue. And so a lot of her experiences growing up were not work-related. And so as you can imagine, in our marriage, she does not focus on if things are fair. She doesn't even think about how much is she working versus me. Working has not been historically a concept that's readily on her mind with how fair things are. And so you may be that person. You may not think about fairness, but you might be married to someone who does. And so it's okay. You know, it just depends on your background on how much you think about work. But it's been an issue in our marriage because I have been the, the partner who tends to work all the time. And then my wife tends to be the partner who tends to sit down and relax and enjoy the kids and want to socialize. And those are both valid. But it's been an issue when I have felt like things are uneven. And when I start feeling like I'm working more than her, it's created some resentment. And so when I would start feeling that, we've gone through seasons where we had to make a lot of adjustments to make things more fair. So just to think about it in your marriage, which one of you pays more attention to how fair things are? It probably says something about your background. And which one of you doesn't pay attention to it? That probably says something about your background. And from my experience, most of the time, the person who isn't thinking about if things are fair or not usually is the person who isn't working as much as their partner. So the fourth thing to consider once you've gone through those previous three is you want to strive for at least 80% fairness with workload in your marriage, at least 80%. If you're the partner who doesn't work as much as your spouse and they're telling you things feel unfair... A lot of times what people in your position will say is, I don't want it to be so tit for tat. I wish my partner didn't keep track. Well, that's all fine and dandy as long as you are working hard and doing at least 80% of the same output as your partner. Don't expect them not to keep track of tit for tat if you're not working and hustling as hard as they are. If you are working and hustling as hard as they are, they won't keep track because they'll feel like you're an equal partner and that you're doing your part. But if you're not doing your part, don't expect them not to keep track. You have an unrealistic expectation. You have to step it up and work harder and contribute more and talk to your partner. What would it take for it to feel like we're even partners and that I'm working as hard as you? 
and then try to hit at least 80% of what they request. If you hit at least 80%, normally it's enough. Normally it's enough for them to feel like things are relatively even and I'm not keeping track anymore. But until you hit that 80% of feeling like you know 80% working as hard as they are, they're gonna keep keeping track because it's gonna continually feel unfair. So those are the four things to consider with managing even workloads. Number one, even workload is a valid need and concept. Number two, you wanna look at the facts to really see if you're each putting in the roughly same amount of labor per day or not. Number three, some partners focus more on fairness and some don't. And there's reasons of their background with why that probably is. And number four, you wanna strive for at least 80% fairness because when you get up to that level, keeping track and tit for tat tends to go away because things feel more fair. Thank you for listening to the Marriage Steps podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to click the five stars and leave a review. The more reviews I get, the higher the podcast will appear on search results and be sure to share it with your family and friends. For more marriage resources, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. If this podcast has made an impact on your marriage, I would love to interview you on the podcast. We can do it remotely through Zoom and it would inspire countless other people to hear your story, to hear your story of hope, to hear how you fell back in love. If that's you, please email me. It's info at drwyattfisher.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. So if you care for it and nurture it, it will grow. But if you don't and you deprive it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.